Victorian. This is Waco PD on the beat. Whether it's crime or just getting to know the Waco Police Department, we're here to talk about things that matter most to you. Sierra Shipley, the Public Information Officer for the Waco Police Department. And I'm Officer AJ Smith, the Crime Stoppers Coordinator for McLennan County. Yeah, and this is Waco PD on the beat. We're in a little bit of a different venue today. For those of you Mix who are watching, up. we also might sound a little bit different. We have Talana Kirby here with us with Prosper Waco. And right now we're actually in the Police Museum. Yes. Uh, at our police department. A lot of people might not know, we actually have a museum here. Yeah, we were just talking about that this morning. I didn't realize it was this big until I got with community outreach and had to start giving tours of it. And it's a pretty cool little place. If you want to schedule a tour, reach out to us and we'll bring you up here. Right, but that's just our little fun backdrop today. But we're yes. really here to talk about a really important new position and that's why Talana is with us. So Talana, introduce yourself a little bit. What do you do at Prosper Waco? And uh, how long have you been with the organization? Okay, my name is Talana. I'm the Director of Behavioral Health Initiatives at Prosper Waco. And Waco Connect is one of the first projects that I've been working on in that arena. And that is the project that has employed the social worker to be at the police department. Yeah, so this social worker has had a great response so far that the information that we've put out in the community, everyone's really excited about this new social worker position. Now, before we get into what they do a little bit, talk about the relationship between Prosper Waco and Waco PD. Why was this something that we felt was a, a good mix? Okay. Well, one of the things that Prosper Waco does is meet and convene with community partners and identify needs in the community that need to be addressed or for, for some reason have not been addressed. And this relationship, these people that the police department are coming in contact with, as well as some of our mental health uh, outreach, outreach teams and so forth, are realizing that there's a greater need for something that's not being provided currently. Yeah, so what is something that Prosper Waco can provide the PD and PD can provide Prosper Waco hand in hand? So definitely a partnership. Um, one of the things that you learn when you're doing community work is that people in different spheres speak different languages. <laughs> so there's a complete different law enforcement culture than, than there is from the mental health culture or even you know teaching or education, all these different disciplines. And so one of the things is to be able to speak each other's language. And so that's really important in collaborating and developing relationships. And I think the trust uh, that can be developed in collaborating with these relationships, I think is really important in order to do a more team approach and helping folks. So on top of that trust and building that team approach, what are some things that you think benefit from building that relationship, from having that person that kind of understands the police world? Because we are different. We do talk weird. We talk in numbers. <laughs> I mean, that's not normal. Yes. And I think you would find the same thing in social work as well. Everyone has acronyms and specific things that they use. And so I think that's that's super important. But understanding just the culture of the law enforcement, you know, how you guys operate, how you guys think, and it helps us better understand how to help people and how to help you help people. So you would say that it helps the people. That's how it benefits the community to to have us all on the same page. Ultimately, I think we're all benefited when we're using our resources in the best way, in the most efficient way, in the most comprehensive way. And I think this was a way that we could team up together to be able to use the resources of the police department and those of social work to help meet the needs of the community members that we engage with. Definitely, because I mean, I tell people all the time that as a police officer, my job is to help people. Like anything above and beyond that is great, but at the end of the day, we're there to help. So. Sounds like you guys are there to help and we're just coming at it from two different angles, trying to find a happy medium ground to actually truly help those people that we're there for. That's all of our kind of common goal, right? Is sure. to help the public. So talk about how this social worker position kind of started to come about. Who, whose idea was it? 
Well, we have, the program itself is called Waco Connect, and it's originally designed to um, address people in the community, whatever sphere they're in, to help address their social determinants of health. And really, that's a fancy phrase for needs, <laughs> those primary care needs like food, housing, employment, transportation. People in our community don't have access or they don't know how to access those services. And what we are finding is that in lots of community agencies across uh, the, Waco, the Waco area is that people are not having that follow-up piece so they might exit a hospital or they might be released from jail or they might release be released some other or from some other agency and never get that follow-up and then they end up being right back in need again and so the idea of Waco Connect came from that and the community was saying hey we need a better way to connect folks to the things that they need so that they're longer uh, more functioning better and more stable long term and so it originated with you know working with the health system so the hospitals and the health care plans to be able those folks that they're working with that have higher needs to get together with them and make sure that they're linked to the resources they need. And to have that personal follow-up is a lot different than getting a sheet of paper that says, here, show up here for this resource or here, show up there for that. And so we feel like that relational piece and that connection is super important. And what we found is that that model also fits so many of the so many of the uh, people and that the police department touches on several different areas. Very good. And, and the idea with like Waco Connect, as you say, is to, to help those people that might be, you know, reoccurring or, you know, kind of people who have had frequent interactions with law enforcement. And so did you, from coming, being in Prosper Waco, not being kind of in the law enforcement side, did you realize there maybe were a lot of those people coming in contact with police that maybe, and that's why we wanted to have that partnership or that's why you reached out to PD to say, hey, I think we can benefit and help the public together on this. Right, I think what, well with the inception of the CCAS unit and the work that they had done previously, I think what they identified was that a lot of the individuals that were they were coming frequently in contact with law enforcement also had mental health substance or substance use disorders or homeless or transient and really just needing so much more than, you know, just a phone call from a police officer and, and having this level of engagement, they need somebody to work with them. And that's really what the CCAS was doing originally, was really doing case management in the community, and that's just following up with these folks in the community, touching base with them, making sure they were making those connections. And so it was a great idea for us to come alongside CCAS and help do some more of that link would, linkage with the social resources in the community. One of the things that social workers do is look at things holistically, and we're looking at the community at large and what's available and making sure people get those connections that they need. The Waco Police Department is currently looking for those to join our dispatch team as 911 call takers. Being a dispatch operator means being the first to answer the call for help. As a dispatcher, your job is to answer emergency and non-emergency calls for police, fire, and emergency medical assistance. When you work as a dispatcher for Waco PD, you're helping not only your Waco community, but the entire county. To apply, you can visit the City of Waco website. We can't wait for you to be a part of the Waco PD team. Absolutely, and we're going to have that social worker. Her name is D'Angela Bynum. We've actually mentioned her on one of our past or previous podcasts, and she'll join us here in just a few. Um, but have you, you know, we only have one person right now. That, so, because this is kind of like a test program, we're seeing if it works, how it works, you know, working out those kinks and, and things like that. So is there plans to possibly grow this program in the future? 
Well, I certainly have big plans, <laughs> and I think D'Angela does too. Uh, so certainly the need is far greater than one social worker. We knew that going into it, but we see this as a way of just getting things started, putting our toes in the water, and really getting a look at the landscape and see what else might be needed. We have some really great ideas. Obviously, they require some things such as financial resources for one, uh, which are limited in all areas, uh, staffing, and then just being able to just align that with the vision of the police department as well. And so we're, I keep joking about me becoming BFFs with Chief Victorian, and I'm sort of halfway joking about that, but we were so excited when we met her and talked to her about this program, and it really does align with her philosophy of community policing, and we really feel like we're in sync with that, so I think that uh, the needs will be well heard by her, and she'll address them in the way that they can. Absolutely. Now, from the Prosper Waco side, is this something that you guys are already seeing an impact on, or is something that, are you guys happy with the progress that it's made? in only a few short months. I would say I'm happy if we've helped one individual, but I'm a social worker, <laughs> so that's, but ultimately we are looking for long-term effects and long-term impact. There have been, I don't know how many different situations where we've made a positive impact on a situation where we're dealing with an individual in the community that doesn't really meet the criteria for police engagement, but it's not a mental health crisis, but they just need help. And a lot of these individuals just have social isolation and they just need some sort of connection. And so we're able to do that for them. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any other projects within the PD that maybe we can talk about, secrets or not? <laughs> if there are, I'm not aware of them. Okay. Um, but we, wasn't sure. we really would like to see other things and other programs. Um, you know, one of the things that has come to light in D'Angela's position is that there are a lot of areas that aren't designed to be, cannot really be addressed through Waco Connect in its form. And so it's either modifying that to meet other needs or creating other things to help pr uh, provide for that. And right now, this is a Waco PD thing. Is there a plan to kind of get that in some of the other surrounding cities? Because we kind of overlap with a lot of people. Sure, sure. Not officially right now. Um, obviously, we would like to for this to be a success, so that we can be able to use data and information to help support, you know, supporting some of the smaller um, cities around us. But it's certainly an opportunity. Yeah. That's awesome. And now being being a social worker like yourself, a lot of people don't realize that it, it really is hard to find access and find help. People who might not need the help say, well, yeah, it's easy. I might know what to do, but these other people don't. And so can you explain maybe the uh, uh, severity and how many people need help uh, in our area? That's, it's overwhelming. <laughs> if you want to sit down and look at the numbers that we have as far as, you know, those that are experiencing homelessness with mental health issues, substance use disorder, you know, needing all of those types of resources. But, you know, the economy has not been so well lately, and we've had COVID impact us in numerous different ways. And so I feel like we're in a situation now where even the average person is having to ask for help, and they don't necessarily know how. And honestly, you don't until you're in that situation. Uh, even someone with the level of knowledge and resources that I have, it's hard to get things done. It's hard to make those connections and there's always requirements about eligibility and barriers and those kinds of things and it's 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 a difficult complex situation to navigate and that's one of the things that Waco Connect prides itself in doing is we know this is a difficult situation. We know it's one, it's hard to ask for help. Two, it's hard to be vulnerable and, and put yourself out there and maybe even get a no and then where do you go? And the most important thing is that the resources are limited. So housing is one of the greatest needs in our community right now and they're just isn't enough. There just isn't enough resources to help um, all of the needs that are there. And you know, COVID with unemployment and all those things, a lot of people are being evicted and becoming homeless and find themselves in those situations. So certainly we could always use more resources.
Yeah, seems like a silly question, but uh, you know, why is it important to help those people? Why, why should we, you know, be here to make sure that everyone's getting the, the help that they need? Mm -hmm. Sorry. From a social worker's point of view, it's because we're all human beings <laughs> and we're all a part of a greater community. And it's, I feel like it's our responsibility to care for one another. Now that's my own personal thing. So not everyone feels that way, but I feel to have a thriving community, I think all members need to have the opportunities um, to all of the resources and services, you know, equitable access to all the things that everyone else has so that we can all thrive together as a community. Well, Talana, is there anything else that you want to touch on, talk about? We haven't discussed or gotten to. We'll bring, we'll actually bring D'Angelo on to kind of give us some firsthand knowledge at what her new position has been like. But um, anything else that you want to say? The only thing, and I would always say this, is, you know, we could always use some money. So <laughs> wherever you can uh, donate or give or support, you know, financially, just the resources are limited. And so we can only do with what we have. So... So people can financially support you. What about volunteers? Do you need volunteers or physical help that That's interesting. other people can help in that capacity? We haven't thought about that. We've, we're th we've thought about how we might support D'Angela in her role. There's a lot of issues with safety and confidentiality and things that make volunteering more challenging, yeah. but it's not something to totally rule out. Um, it's, there are certainly ways that we can utilize volunteers in that situation as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. If they do want to you know, donate, is there a way that they can do that or how they can do that? I would say you can call Prosper Waco. I mean, lots of people call and say, hey, we'd like to help with this project. So that's certainly one way. Um, you can certainly look on the website and connect us, connect with us there, prosperwaco.org. Uh, or you can email me, Talana, T-E-L-A-W-N-A, at prosperwaco.org, and I will get you connected to the right person. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. And you guys do a lot more, just Prosper oh, Waco yes. in general, than, than just this. I mean, there's yes. countless of different entities and projects that you guys are working on. Yes, we work in three main areas, health, financial security, and education. And so across the community, we have working groups in each of those domains and are consistently doing projects such as Waco Connect to help provide resources and collaboration in the community. So if you get on our website, you can see a lot of, you can actually it breaks it down pretty well in the different projects and working groups. And so if you're interested and in get connected to any of those, you can do that from there as well. Wonderful. Well, Talana, thank you so much for joining us on Waco PD on the Beat, and we will bring D'Angelo on now. Crime Stoppers is an organization which bridges the gap between law enforcement and the community, so together we can solve crimes in our neighborhoods. Crime Stoppers encourages the community to assist in the fight against crime by overcoming the two key elements which inhibit community involvement, fear and apathy. Crime Stoppers allow citizens to anonymously submit tips. Tips can get you up to a $2,000 reward if it leads to an arrest or solves a crime. Tips can be submitted by calling 254-753-HELP, which is 4357, visiting wacocrimestoppers.org or downloading the P3 app. Remember, tip submission is always anonymous and can lead to a reward of up to $2,000. Okay, so we're back and we have D'Angela Bynum with us now and she's the person we talked about in a previous episode, a little bit earlier, and she's actually here at the police station. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and kind of fill us in on what you're doing here at the PD. Yeah, so my name's D'Angela Bynum. Hi. Um, I went to Charlton State University here in Waco for my master's degree in social work. Um, I've been here at the PD since August, so not very long, but um, it has definitely been an honor to be here. 
Um, I am the social resource coordinator. That's my specific title. And so uh, what I'm doing here, main, um, main job here is to just connect people to resources, whatever that looks like. Right now, but you're not, you know, you're familiar with the PD. Yeah, so talk and talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, so um, what's interesting is that uh, social work is only like half of my um, part, if you will. Um, the other half is definitely law enforcement. My husband is an officer here at the PD, too. So he's been an officer for about nine years. And so while I was going through my master's degree program, uh, bachelor's and master's here, um, I would always ask those really tough crisis-oriented questions in my, in my uh uh, professors were always like, okay, let's, let's dive into that. So, <laughs> it was great, but, um, but definitely uh, I, am, I have a heart for, for law enforcement just because inherently um, my, my husband's a protector and, and a lot of law enforcement officers are just protectors at heart. And so I get that culture a lot um, better than your average social worker, I would, I would guess. Um, but also the social work aspect is near and dear to my heart as well. Absolutely, yeah, because this isn't your first time helping those who might need access to other, other things. Talk about some, some of your previous work that you've done. Sure, um, so just like any other master's degree, you have lots of um, internships. And so, of course, we went through, I went through Family Abuse Center and um, connecting with um, CPS and just different areas like that. One. Um, my master's degree specifically, I went through Baylor Scott and White, um, the War is Research Institute, um, Dr. Susie Gulliver, she's amazing. Um, and her whole, her whole program was data collection and um, providing mental health help for, um, for law enforcement, first responders, and military. Um, so I did that for a bit, and then I worked for MHMR, and now I'm here. Very good. So talk about what a little bit, um, you know, what, what is social work? So, man, <laughs> that's I know, a, right? It's a big question. Yes. So social work can be a lot of things. Um, specifically, if I had to narrow it down, there's three main areas, micro, meso, and macro, right? So micro, little, is like one-on-one. -on -one. Whenever I am inter inter uh, engaging, interacting with an individual one-on-one, -on -one. Um, mesos more um, group work, and then macros whenever you get into your systems. So um, the macro piece is is definitely been something that I've been working on here, but also the micro. So I've, I'm doing more micro macro right now, um, and so uh, it's kind of developing relationships and um, utilizing the resources at your fingertips to help people and whatever that looks like in the moment. Ahead, but like how many of those micro relationships, how many people I guess are, are you working with or working for? Yeah. What would it be? Would it be working with or working for them? Uh, it would be both, you know, yeah. it depends. Definitely, I think um, in my role, I always wanna try to establish a relationship, like first and foremost. Um, I can't do something for someone if they don't want it, right? So, um, so I definitely want to establish that relationship with the individual and see what their needs are. Um, a lot of the people that I work with right now, um, micro, on that micro level, um, they are in crisis, uh, especially whenever I'm getting them from the PD. So, so from the PD point of view, from where I am right now, I'm dealing with a lot of people who are in crisis or um, are struggling with chronic mental health issues. So long-term schizophrenia, 
um, delusions, those kinds of things that are pretty heavy. Um, and so I can't just jump in there and tell them what to do. That wouldn't be helpful to them and it wouldn't be uh, ethical for me. So um, my first goal is to always establish a relationship with them and just see from their perspective what they need. Um, so that's kind of working with them and for them. Why do you like social work? I guess we could go back to that because you mentioned like a whole bunch of different places and a whole bunch of really cool things that it sounds like you've done to get yourself to this point and get experience. So I guess you like it. <laughs> yeah. What I, is what appeals to you about it? I think so. Um, honestly, I think that the thing that I like the most is that you can meet people where they are. Um, I have a personal history of abuse and neglect as in my childhood, and so from healing from that, I've learned that you can't do it on your own. And so um, to be able to be that for somebody else is really important to me. And so it just gives me an avenue of being active in my community with intention and, um, and just being able to help where I can. And so with social work being such a broad topic and, and you can plug in anywhere from children to adolescents to adults to elderly, you can plug in at any age group with mental health or you could just stick with just meals. Like social work is such a varied um, topic and, and, and you can kind of do what you want to. <laughs> and so this has is, this is given me the ability to really find where I fit um, and and serve the people that are near and dear to my heart. Yeah, absolutely. So when you heard about this, because you've only been in this position since August, mm -hmm. you said, okay, so with Pro when, when hearing about, you know, Prosper Waco, creating the Waco Connect program and learning that it, you know, was hand in hand with the PD and your husband being in the PD, I'm sure this was a little bit of an exciting yes. kind of moment. And I know you've talked about this before, but you, you've talked about this position, like a position like this mm -hmm. created in the world when you were in school, right? Yes. You, and, and your professors were like, no, 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 I'm like, I know you wouldn't talk about this, but I think it's really cool. Yeah. But your professors were like, you're crazy, Dan. <laughs> well, they loved it. Honestly, they did. They loved it. It's just uh, when teaching social work, it's such a big, big topic. And crisis is just a small portion of that, right? Wow. And so whenever I would ask those questions, it was always, well, let's see how it fits. Because um, honestly, social work and law enforcement have had some some contention in the last few years, you know, um, mental health and, and, and all of the things. It's just as, as the community grows and learns and um, stretches itself, there may be some growing pains. And so that's just, um, that's kind of how that <laughs> worked out. But um, that, yeah, this, this position is like a dream come true just because I can see um, from both perspectives and, and then I can help bridge those gaps. So identifying those gaps is really interesting. Another part of the job is identifying the gaps in services. And so um, being able to see from both perspectives has allowed me to go, huh, there's a, this isn't working here and this isn't working here. How can we bridge that? And how can we figure this out and have both entities give a little to meet in the middle? You know? That's awesome. I mean, I feel like, especially in the last year or so, like the tension between the goal of social work and the goal of policing has been like these two radical ideas that they're fighting for who's going to win but really we need to work together like you just said because there are things that we can't do and there's things that you guys can't do and there's things that we can only do we can only arrest people and you can only help people and sometimes arresting someone's not going to help someone so 
to bring you in is just awesome to like bridge that gap and fill the gap yeah. to help. It also, Waco Connect has given me the opportunity to not only work micro, um, macro as well, right? So connecting with entities, uh, programs in our community and saying, hey, I have this individual who I'm trying to help, but I don't know where to go with this. They may meet your criteria, but I'm not sure. Um, and then so creating that relationship with that uh, entity has been such an important role because if I know where to send someone then it takes pressure off of our law enforcement officers but it also takes pressure off of the community and so instead of um, you just you just don't know what you don't know you know what I mean <laughs> so um, so being able to know where where to send someone what the criteria is for certain programs um, and and how to help them that has been a big, big deal. Um, another piece is data collection. So um, I really, <laughs> uh, prior to being in social work, I considered doing um, science <laughs> teaching. <laughs> so data collection is kind of like my thing too. So I love this because uh, this is part of it as well, is collecting data on what works and what doesn't. And so um, finding from from the Waco Connect piece and coming into the PD and them trusting me with this information and making sure that everything is, is protected and confidentiality is uh, respected, it's a big deal. And so I wanna be able to utilize uh, my placement here to collect that data, but also make sure everybody's information is secure and then utilize it in the community. So like identifying those gaps, the specific things that we're seeing a lot of mental health consumers um, that struggle with chronic mental health, um, but they're not to a high acuity where they have to get help. And so developing that relationship with that individual who may not want help or is incapable of understanding that they need help, that's, that's a big deal too. I feel like that would be the hardest thing is to try, <laughs> because it's the, you, you wanna make sure that they're, li they're living a good and healthy life and getting the resources they need, but yeah, when they don't see that they might need it or they don't want it, I'm sure that's hard to break that barrier. Yeah. Uh, how, I mean, how do you do that as far as, you know, instead of just giving up and saying, all right, you don't want it, then you go do you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, part of another piece of social work is advocacy, right? So um, I feel it my responsibility in this position, if an individual is un unable or um, unwilling to get the help, I try to, that's where that relationship piece comes in. Um, if they don't want the help, and, and that's another thing, is, is finding limitations. So our law enforcement officers are limited um, because if there's not a criminal act, they can't do anything, right? And so, um, or they're limited in what they, their response is. So finding that relationship and that, and that sort of uh, middle ground with those people is really important. Um, and then also advocating on their behalf. So going out to MHMR, going out to um, the Kindred Hospice or um, Visiting Angels or whatever that looks like, your elder care facilities and saying, hey, this person really needs help. They're struggling with dementia and they don't realize that they need the help that they need. Um, so having advocating on their behalf to get them the help they need. And then that's actually one of our great wins was um, an individual was calling the PD um, five, six times a night. Officers were responding to her residence um, and she just wanted somebody to talk to. And so um, that's not a criminal matter, um, but 
and, and our officers were happy to do it when they could, but whenever the call load is high and you have people who are um, actively being harmed, it's, it's hard to stop and talk to someone when you have other things that are more pressing. Right. So um, in that position, I was able to connect that family with, um, with an in-home care. So um, they now have somebody come out and sit with her in the evenings and she's happy because she has somebody there and, um, and, and we're happy at the PD because she's taken care of and she's seen and, and she's, she's validated and, and um, helped. Wow, that's awesome. So little wins like that are kind of what we're working toward. Of course, being only a few short months, we don't see a lot of, you know, we're still collecting that data. We haven't seen a huge, uh, uh, you know, number kind of thing to put toward like, hey, here's how much we, here's how much we've changed or how much we've grown and how many people we've helped. Um, so, but explain those like little wins that you are seeing even in the few short time that you've been here. Yeah. So that was one of them. Um, we're really happy about that. Uh, another one, so some of the data collection piece, how I get my people, is some patrol officers will refer people to me specifically because these patrol officers are on the beat and they're in these neighborhoods every day, all day. Um, and so they might go out to this individual's home five times in one day, right? So they see these things in, act in live action on scene. Um, and so they're like, I want to help, but my, I don't know what to do with this because there's nothing that can be done from our perspective, right? So I follow up with that person. Um, it may be something, a little win, right? So it may be something as small as connecting a teenager to a, a hotline or a warm line so that she can talk to someone because she's having struggles at home and at school. Um, it could be... Um, someone who was previously in crisis had this individual had, I want to say, eight suicide call-outs in just a few, two weeks. And um, I connected with this individual and was able to make sh follow up on um, uh, counseling and a social worker and medication and get him plugged into where he needed to go. And then now um, we haven't had a call from him in over a month. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and well, I, I say that. So he hasn't called 911 in a month. He calls me every week. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like that relationship piece. It's just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I'm glad that this is working out. He has plans. He is now has a job and everything else. So it's um, little wins like that is, is just awesome yeah. to see. Well, so you kind of touched on it. Talk about that follow-up. When you get them the help, it's not, okay, here you go. All right, bye. Mm -hmm. And you move on to the next person. Yeah. Explain how this is a long-term constant thing for you yeah so we have a lot of programs in our community that provide great services um, one of the things that we're seeing just in a short amount of time is there's there's a little bit of a gap in continuity of care and what I mean by that is follow-up so if an individual goes through a six-month process with a program and they're doing great and then they get discharged um, from the program and then nobody follows up with them in a month, two months, three months, six months from then, and then they don't have that same continued support. And so sometimes it can be there to their detriment. Um, and so the follow-up is such a big, big piece because whenever you have people in crisis and, um, and that don't have those access to the social determinants of health, like the housing or the, any of that stuff, um, you really see an increase in mental health issues. So it all kind of correlates. 
COVID-19, whenever we got isolated, the stress and anxiety and fear from all of that, it just compounds, right? So, um, so whenever you're talking about getting somebody one thing, it's, you can help them in one area, like housing. I can get somebody plugged into housing and it's great, it's amazing, but that's not their only struggle. And, um, and oftentimes if you follow up with that person, you're gonna see some of those other struggles start to come out later because they're no longer worried about where they're gonna sleep at night. Now they can have the emotional capacity to worry about, are my kids well adjusted? So then that follow up becomes more and more important. Do you want to help solve crime in your neighborhood? Well, the Neighborhood Camera Initiative is something you might want to sign up for. Ring doorbells, nest cameras, and all the other camera security systems installed on homes and businesses that are facing public areas are tools that could help our officers solve very important crimes. By signing up your camera or cameras in the Neighborhood Camera Initiative, it allows our officers' knowledge to where these cameras are, and if a crime had happened, it could have possibly saw the incident in question. You can sign up your camera on the City of Waco website at wacopolice.com. So... Just because you're, when we first talked, you told me you already had like more people than you thought you were going to be able to handle. So as I'm hearing you talk about how important the follow-up is, I'm sure that you have not stopped getting people. <laughs> so how does that work for you? Because uh, I can only imagine that that load of cases is going to just keep growing and the follow-up sounds like the most important part, so. Yeah, so that's a, it's a very fine line there. I think that just shows how important your position is. Yeah. I think that's really what it, what it comes down to. Yeah, if I could have 10 more, that'd be great. Okay, so if you're listening or watching, <laughs> donate to Prosper Waco and explicitly state that you want that to be for an, a duplicate of D. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that, but I just did, so. Yeah, so, so it's definitely a balancing act, right? So trying to be able to meet the needs of the individuals um, as they come in the crisis-oriented needs, and then uh, juggle, if you will, um, the day-to-day -day management of meetings and, and, and individual follow-up and making sure I'm also uh, engaging with the community programs and creating those relationships. So it's a, it's a multi-axial um, kind of position, if you will. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered that question well or not. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully by seeing that workload and seeing the continuation and, and, and the need, it shows that we need to grow the program and we're able to grow that program because of course, you know, yeah. if we wanted to, sure, we'd grow it no problem, but we gotta get people to back that with us as right. well. So I think this is just a great way to show that it's definitely already paying off just, yeah. just with you here. Well, and the numbers, if you want to try talk straight numbers, um, whenever the month of August I got here in the middle of the month and already had, it, so part of, part of my referrals are from patrol officers one-on-one. -on -one. The other part of my um, job is pulling information from all of our 911 calls. So oh, wow. just one event, Suicides in Progress, for the month of August was over 100 calls. Wow. And just in August, and so if you look at each month, just one, one month, 100 calls plus in one event in Suicides in Progress. We're not talking about mental health call-ups. We're not talking about um, 1016s, which are the um, domestic violence stuff that, that also need help. You know, We're not talking about any of those kinds of calls or check welfares. Like you telling me that is crazy because I know if you 
look at it. So if you actually look at the call notes, sometimes something will go out as one thing and it'll actually be a suicide in progress. So right. that's just what's been documented yes. as that type of call. Yes. So yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and so um, really narrowing the scope. So, so to, to better kind of answer the question, I feel like is I'm having to really narrow my scope on who I can help. Um, so I'm focusing more on the high call volume, high acuity individuals. So people who have severe mental illnesses and that are calling regularly and often. Um, and those are those are my people right now. On a perfect in a in a perfect world, I would when I had ten of me, um, I'd be able to reach out to all of those hundred people plus that called in August. But right now, um, I've only been able to reach eight, eight out of the hundred of those suicide in progress calls because those were the repeats, right? Mm -hmm. So the high call volume people. Um, so while it, it just pains me that I can't touch everybody and I can't help everybody, um, limiting myself in, in helping these high acuity individuals is really important right now because um, I have to be able to show progression and really develop what we're doing and how we're doing it well. Yeah, and if you just jump on everything that comes up, like you're gonna overextend yourself. And yeah. Absolutely, and we want to keep you. We want to keep you at least somewhat sane. You're yeah. helping yes. us, and so we like that a lot. Um, so, talk about what uh, you know. What benefits you're seeing? Um, you know, not only for for the community, but let's talk about from the officer standpoint as well. How is this helping them? Yeah. Um, so I would say, I don't want to put words in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, and you can speak to that too, but explain how you are helping the officer, because I know as a, you know, just having a social worker in the building, I'm sure they can come to you if they have questions. Yeah, all, all the time. My door's open. I have a candy dish. So, <laughs> um, but so. Uh, one of the ways that I have seen firsthand that I've helped is just to get, be able to provide that alternative to incarceration. Um, sometimes officers don't really have an op option, especially at 3 a.m. on a Saturday, what program is really open, right? So if you have an individual who's schizophrenic and that they, they are um, having a mental uh, health crisis in the middle of Walmart or wherever, um, a convenience store, 3 a.m., right? So um, what can you do in that situation as an officer? You know, um, you can ask them to leave. They are not gonna leave. What are you gonna do, you know? Um, one relationship that we have established and that has been amazing is MCOT, MHMR, MCOT, Stacy Steger, and Deanna Fitch is over um, the CTC. And so in conjunction with their program, um, we've been able to help and provide those services at weird hours and, and, and that kind of thing as well. But just strengthening that relationship with them has helped our officers as well because um, understanding the relationship, the limitations from MCOT, the, the criteria that you need when you're talking about in crisis, what does that mean? Um, so just understanding those relationships and those limitations and the criteria and then giving that information to our officers so they better understand where MCOT's coming from and where CTC's coming from, when to take someone to um, on an EDO, um, how to articulate that well. Um, APS is another one. I have uh, We've been establishing a relationship with our local supervisor for over adult protective services. And um, one thing we didn't know is that uh, they're more of an investigative unit. So it's really hard for them to gain entry into a home. They don't, they don't have the same um, ability to go into a home just whenever they want. So even if they're, um, unlike CPS, that you investigate and you have to see certain things, they have limitations. 
um, that that officers, if they know about that, they can then help them in those limitations um, and, and help them build the case if they see something that is that is a danger to the individual. Absolutely, because you're not going on these calls no. with officers. Well, <laughs> no. maybe, maybe sometimes when it's planned, but yes. you're not being called out. Right, correct. Um, and so I think with you being here, being able to answer questions for the officers, when they're out there by themselves, they like you said, they know how to better handle certain situations dependent on what, what's going on, so. And I guess you said that I could answer it and I immediately thought no, because like I was off the streets when she got here, but hearing you say that you're kind of working between the officers and MCOT, I think that's very helpful because in the academy, they told us about this great thing. Hey, if you don't want to EDO somebody, like call MCOT, mm -hmm. they'll get that person the help that they actually need. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of times that we would call MCOT at three in the morning and it's like, hey, yeah, like this is not something we can come out on. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, no, like this person needs help. I don't necessarily think they need to be EDO'd because that's not going to help their situation. And, explain, and they haven't done. Sorry, explain what an EDO is. Sorry, yeah, so EDO, emergency detention order, it says in the health and safety code that if someone is at risk of harm to themselves or others, we can detain them in an emergency. So we, we basically see that they have done something that is an overt act of harm to themselves or others and it's not a criminal offense because they're in some sort of mental crisis so we physically take them to the hospital to get help and that means that we physically restrain them and they will be in the hospital until a doctor sees them and they're mentally evaluated and then they're kind of they're passed on it's like okay that's not a police issue we're at the hospital they've been seen they're going to get cleared or they're going to get treated so I have very mixed feelings on this and I don't know what I'm supposed to say right now, but I mean, realistically, if someone is in a mental crisis and you handcuff them, they're, they're not thinking, oh, this officer's helping me. They're thinking, oh, I just got arrested, but I don't remember doing anything wrong. So this is just awesome to hear that you're working with MCOT who doesn't use handcuffs and takes people to different p places and facilities to help them. Right. So yeah, that's um, just incredible. Yeah, that's definitely something that we've been working on. It's, it's encouraging to hear that from your perspective. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and like I said, the, the supervision over there is just amazing. Um, we've talked about having them come out to the PD as well and like just do kind of like a Q&A, like officers talking to so directly to MCOT and the CTC um, supervisors to just ask those questions and then clarify any question, any like, how do I do this? What, what do we do with that? Why didn't that work? And those yeah, kinds of things. That would be, I think, very beneficial to yeah. get closure, honestly, to be like, okay, why didn't you guys do something to help us? Right. Because well, and, and usually the, it's just, no, we can't do that. Yeah. And, and the PD, we hear that too. Why didn't you guys do something to help this person? And yeah. you're like, well, there's, we're restricted on what we can and cannot yeah, exactly. do. They're, they're having a mental health issue, not a criminal episode. Like, right. We're really good at criminal enforcement, but <laughs> at mental health and just health in general, like, yeah. if we can't put a tourniquet on it, we don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, and you know, fortunately though as well is because mental health, it, it wasn't widely talked about, you know, maybe even as, as much as five years ago. And so mental health has become a, a bigger uh, topic of, of yeah. uh, conversation. And so I think in a way it, it's good to talk about that mental health because then it's going to help us adapt and 
positions like you come about yeah. to where we can now help those people. And so I think overall, this is just such a great opportunity for the PD, for Prosper Waco, and for the community as well. Um, what is something that you are you know, hoping for in, in a year from now, five years from now? What's something that you hope this program evolves into? Yeah, um, so if I you know, had a magic wand and was able to get everything we needed or wanted, um, I would definitely say that um, an interdisciplinary collaboration team here at the PD um, to where it's social workers, maybe a psychologist, maybe someone, um, a nurse or a doctor or something along those lines, a PA, something like that. Um, obviously, uh, officers, police officers, um, just a team of individuals from different discipline, disciplines um, who come together and just are able to assess and direct the, the, um, the needs of the individual, right? So like whatever they need, we're able to then figure out, do a great, great assessment on them and then get them plugged into wherever they need to go. And so um, have, a few, have a few officers and, and, and this team and we'd be ready to go because then we'd be able to be safe and we'd be able to provide the mental health help where they need. Um, sometimes mental health is a result of physical uh, health. Sometimes there are things um, in our bodies that create those mental health issues and we don't know about. And if you don't ever get a physical, a mental, like a medical physical, you don't know. And so it could be something as easy as going to your doctor's office and getting on a, um, on a medication that helps level out that whatever it is that's going on, and then you're, you're okay again. Um, so it's not always psychotherapy that we need. Sometimes we need medical um, help to, to figure that stuff out too. And then even just nutritional deficiencies, I learned that one recently. Yeah. Like if you don't have copper, which I would have never thought copper, like it makes sense because our bodies have so many things going on, but like just a copper deficiency can make you not fully mentally there like it'll start messing with your brain because you don't have copper yeah. so like um something prosper waco i heard earlier was like they they get food in the community like that's a big thing because if if you live in a part of town where there's not a supermarket your closest place for food is either a gas station or a dollar general and you don't get fresh produce so you're not getting like vitamins and minerals naturally you're probably not thinking, oh, I should take a vitamin supplement because I'm eating a microwave <laughs> yeah. meal or whatever the case yeah. may be. So like, you're more worried about just getting the food to feed yourself. Yeah. yeah. So like, if we're able to get that PA or doctor or nurse or whoever can do a blood draw and be like, okay, this person's needing whatever vitamins and minerals, and we can give them some spinach and whatever vitamins or whatever copper comes from, like, yeah. right. just just changing their diet. Like if that's all we need to do to help somebody, yeah, that'd be incredible to. Well, and in the interim, like that's that's like way perfect goal, right? Yeah. But in the interim to get there, um, something, a little plug for social work, we, we see the need and then we utilize what's already established in the community. So we don't want to reinvent the wheel, right? So there are great medical facilities and there's great psychotherapists in the community already. And so being able to even have like a three-man officer, three-man social worker team here at the department to where the social workers assess and then plug them into the community where they go, that would be a great next step. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is a pretty broad, big question, but what would you tell people, what would you tell someone who might need the help, is afraid to get it, maybe doesn't know that they need the help, doesn't know what to do, where to go, what's kind of an overall general thing that you just 
want to put out there to our listeners and our viewers, um, you know, that, you know, people are here and they're here to help you. Yeah. Um, so knowing I'm trying, trying uh, to make sure that I'm not uh, overdoing myself there, but overstretching, but um, just knowing that, that you're not alone. Um, you can always reach out to the PD. You can always reach out to Prosper Waco. Um, MHMR is a great resource as well. So if you're in crisis, MCOT is a great resource. Um, my, again, my, uh, my personal uh, email, uh, you can feel free to email me anytime. Um, it's deangela, D-E-A-N-G-E-L-A-B, at wacotx.gov. Um, and just utilizing your, um, your local mental health authority as well. Um, another thing that we, has been really helpful, it's an app that you can download on your phone. It's called Aunt Bertha. Um, I like it already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it actually, you, you link it, you download it on your phone, you type in your zip code, and then it has a ton of resources. And so it's kind of like two one one, right? So, um, yeah. What is two one one? Sorry. <laughs> two one one. It's it's uh, you dial it on your phone, and it's this kind of the same thing. Is that you call two one one, and it gives you resources for your, in your local area. Oh. Okay. If you just have a dial phone, you can do that too. I know nine one one and four one one before you dig, but now I know two one one. Two one one. That's resources. another one. Yeah. Okay. So that's really cool. That that is, and I had no idea that existed. Yeah. yeah. And just. Aunt Bertha, you said it was called? Yeah. I think it's also findhelp.org. So Aunt Bertha is the kind of plug, but the uh, the website is findhelp.org. Okay. okay. Very good. Well, D'Angela, thank you so much. Anything else you want to say, touch on, talk about? Man, there's so much. I know, there is so much. <laughs> we could talk for hours. You really I could. Uh, I just, I just want to say I appreciate the opportunity that I've had here. Um, the PD and and Waco Connect, Prosper Waco, being and and just the community of Waco to uh, trust entrust me with these people and this position is a great honor to me. And so, um, if you have any resources available, um, if you're a part of a program that you might want to make me aware of that I can then refer out to, that would be amazing. Um, so facilitating those uh, resources and relationships with other programs is really big uh, for me. And so it would be really great to, to hear from anyone uh, in the community who has um, connections to programs, resources, um, and who can help our consumers. Absolutely, yeah, because this really isn't, I mean, this, this is a Prosper Waco, Waco Connect, and Waco PD or, uh, uh, mission, but we're really, connecting with a lot more different yes. entities with your job. So you're not only Prosper Waco, Waco PD, you're reaching out to multiple different health As many as I can. As many as you can to, get, <laughs> yes. to, get, to find and get the help that these people need. Well, D'Angela, thank you so much. You are doing awesome and amazing work. So we, we definitely appreciate it here at the PD. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. All right, well that thank wraps you. it up for Waco PD on the beat. I don't even remember what episode this is. Eight, Welcome nine. to the club. Think nine. <laughs> We're getting there. Pro is on episode there. three. <laughs> well, thank you guys again for joining us. I'm Sierra Shipley, the public information officer. And I'm Officer AJ Smith, the Crime Stoppers Coordinator for McLean County. Have a good one, Waco. Till next time. Waco PD on the beat. The heartbeat serving you.